Hi, and welcome to today's episode. I really appreciate you being here. I'm talking with Moxie about a topic that's been sort of on my dream list of topics to read more about and find more about and just try to understand how this is not taught in school. It was very surprising that I had never heard about it before. Moxie is a fellow podcaster, so that's how we met, and she is a fount of information. She's wonderful. It's so fun to talk to people who are passionate about their topics, so I love talking to academics, students, scholars, amateurs, podcasters, and so many more. If they love their topic, it is so interesting to talk to them. As you know, not all the topics here are Canadian, although I am. I am Rosie. I'm a Francophone from Canada, and of course, this is my podcast. And if you know nothing about this topic, it sounds a little scary, but I promise you it is not Halloween themed. So now let's talk about some history, eh? I'm with Moxie and I'm very excited to talk to her because she has one of my favorite World War topics. And I just want to say, first of all, I guess, thank you for being here. I really appreciate you being here today. Well, thank you so much for having me on and giving me the opportunity to talk about this topic. Yes. Well, I guess we can share what the topic is. <laughs> today we are talking about the Night Witches, an amazingly successful bombing regiment uh, from the Russian side of World War II an all-female squadron in outdated planes without enough equipment, the uniforms didn't even fit, and yet they saw the lowest casualty of any air squadron on the Russian side of the war. And that's really incredible, especially when you're talking about pilots. It's such a dangerous job during the war. And it was especially dangerous for them. Mm -hmm. I guess you'll get into that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just a teaser to keep them interested. Oh, okay, okay. This is a perfect intro then. So I guess, yeah, let's just start right at the beginning. I mean, who are the Night Witches? How do we know about them? So how did it all start? Well, I will say the name Night Witches actually came from the Germans. And when your enemy gives you a badass nickname, you know you're pretty cool. The Night Witches actually began uh, with a woman named uh, Marina Raskova, who was referred to as the Soviet Amelia Earhart, because she set numerous uh, long-distance flying records, and she was the first woman to be um, a pilot trainer at the Soviet Air Force. Women were not initially allowed in combat roles during World War II, but as the war ground on and things started going less and less good for Russia, they sort of walked back that particular uh, prohibition. And Raskova thought that an all-female fighter unit you know, would be good for the war effort. And she petitioned Stalin directly to allow her to create one. And he actually authorized for the creation of three all-female units. Over 2,000 women applied uh, to be in the squadron, of whom she Ruskova selected about 400. Most of them were students or women in their early 20s. They had just a couple of months to learn what most male pilots have years to learn. But they also, in addition to learning to be pilots, had to learn to be navigators, how to maintain the planes, and how to be ground crew. And they had to all learn all of this in a crunch, while under constant sexual harassment from their male counterparts, who didn't think women could possibly be useful in a combat setting. 
so what kind of equipment did they have? What, you know, what were they working with? Well, the male pilots had top-of-the-range, brand-new, modern planes. The female pilots had Polycarbov PO2 biplanes. They were bi-wing crop dusters that were already more than 20 years old. They are what the, those planes are what the men would use in training before they moved on to their real planes, but the women were expected to use these in battle. They were made of wood with canvas stretched over them, with an open cockpit, which is not something you want when you're at altitude on a winter's night in Russia or Northern Europe. The planes were so light that gale force winds could actually blow them away. And there were several times during heavy storms where the women had to go out into the airfield and lay on the wings of the planes to hold them down. You know, and these are the planes they're expected to attack the enemy in. An incendiary round would have sent one of their planes up like, like that. Beyond just the planes, uh, there were no female uniforms. So they were given the smallest available male uniforms and smallest boots that were still way too big for them. And some of the women would actually pull the stuffing out of their mattresses to stick in the toes of their boots, which not only made them fit better, but provided them with some insulation when they're up in the freezing temperatures in the wind. The planes had no radar, no defensive guns. Because they were so light, the weight was heavily restricted, the weight the plane could carry. Uh, so to make sure that they could carry the two bombs, one under each wing, there were no parachutes. The women had to navigate uh, the old-fashioned way with paper maps and flashlights and compasses and uh, pencils that they would actually use as eyeliner when they weren't uh, on missions. Because, you know, they were, of course, still expected to look good. Yes. So it seems as though these light planes might have had difficulty staying in the air. Were the women chosen for this because they were smaller stature, maybe? Or, you know, do we have information on that? I don't have anything that conclusively confirms or denies that. It may just be a lucky happenstance that women tend to be smaller and lighter, particularly in a pilot situation, which would be then easier on the tiny planes. But the shortcomings of the planes actually turned out to be blessings in disguise. Because the planes were so slow, only maxing out just under 100 miles per hour, that's actually below the stall speed of the Nazi planes. They actually were so slow they were hard to catch. Because the planes were small, they were more maneuverable, which made them harder to shoot. And they could take off and land from shorter airstrips than the modern planes required. And the plus side of not having a radio meant that they couldn't be picked up on radio trackers, and their planes were too small to be picked up on radar. So that allowed the women uh, to do nighttime harassment bombing campaigns, which is where they would just drop as much ordnance as possible in as short a period of time as possible on an enemy camp or supply depot. So each night, as many as 40 crews, which is a pilot up front and a navigator in the rear, would run between 8 and 18 missions. Each crew went on more than 800 runs per night, so about like 100 nights worth of missions for each crew in the Night Witches. And flying back to their base to not only uh, rearm, but try to warm up, I assume. Uh, two planes would go out each time together, one acting as bait to draw the German spotlights, which would provide enough light for the other plane to see. They would then split off. The German spotlights and guns would follow the target plane while the other one dropped its bombs. 
uh, when they had a third unit, they would have two being decoys and one doing the bombing. Here's where it gets really amazing. Not that it wasn't pretty cool to begin with, but to execute their bombings, they would actually cut their engines and glide in over the target. It is said that it was this whooshing sound that the plane without the engine made that sounded like a witch's broom, and is why the Nazis call them the night witches. Because by the time they heard that whooshing sound, it was too late. So they've cut their engine, dove in, dropped the ordnance. They're pulling out. They have to climb out onto the front of the plane and restart the propeller. That would be terrifying to have to do once, but, you know, 15 times a night? Yeah, it seems as though you either cannot be terrified of heights or just don't care and have to do your job and you do it anyway. I don't know. It's just terrifying, really. Well, if everything I've, if everything I've learned about Russian women through the course of my life, uh, if there was one key feature, it is that they are hard. They are well hard. Russian women do not scare. Russian women do not shrink back. You know, this was in keeping with the, the view I have gathered over the course of my life of, of Russian women, that they are every bit as fearless and ferocious as their male counterparts. And, I mean, the Night Witch's track record bears that out in terms of their uh, success rate. You know, and these these women that are able to restart their planes in midair, then go back to the barracks and they'd put on music and dance together. They would do needlepoint. If they had a long stretch of time uh, between missions, they would decorate their planes, just like you picture the nose art of American bombers. So very much hardened, battle-ready warriors and still female, you know, soft feminine women at the same time. And I imagine that would help your mental health too, the normalcy that those activities provide of, you know, sitting there doing needlework together or putting on the latest uh, big band single and dancing together. Good for the mental health to balance out the fact that, you know, you just sort of killed a couple hundred people. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I think that the humanity of some of these stories during the war is always surprising when you're reading about it because you just hear of sort of the very gritty and dark side. So it's very nice that they had something. And I also wanted to ask, so like Reshkova, you talked about her. So we have information about her. Did you want to tell us a bit more about her life? Maybe how she became a pilot or, you know, what she did when she was a pilot? I'd actually, I'm, afraid, I'm going to be disappointing to you here. I'm sorry that I didn't get too deep into her life uh, before the Night Witches, except that she was... Um, the first female pilot to be awarded the Iron Cross, which is a Medal of Valor. And was she in charge of all of these other women pilots, or was she just a figure that we know more about? Yes, she actually organized the units and uh, did their training because she was an accredited flight instructor. And I'm not certain if there weren't other commanders involved because there were uh, 200 pilots, and that would be a lot for um, any one officer to manage, but she was both the figurehead, both practically and visually speaking. So she sort of stood for uh, the Night Witches. And the Night Witches, from their inception, fought almost to the end of the war. Actually, they 
their last flight was three days before Germany's surrender. So this wasn't a flash-in-the-pan thing, sure, let's try it, what can it hurt? They went on more than 800 runs per crew. So each woman went up about 800 times. And given what they had to work with and that number of missions, they only lost 30 out of 200 pilots. So a little over 10%, which is an astoundingly good record, especially considering that they're flying around in matchboxes, basically. And of the surviving pilots, 24 of the night witches, including Rushkova, uh, were also awarded the title of Hero of the Soviet Union. And Rushkova was a national hero. Uh, she actually died during the war and was given a state funeral, and her ashes are buried in the Kremlin. So it was as much military honors as a male pilot could have received. That's really incredible for women to receive these awards. Yeah, it was unprecedented at the time. Mm-hmm. And Reshkova, she was in charge of all of these women. Like you said, she might have had some other lieutenants or something like that, but she was still leading all of these women, essentially. Oh, yeah, she was a pilot as well. And the Night Witches just wouldn't have happened, probably, without Reshkova campaigning for it. There wasn't anyone else really thinking, you know what, I think an all-female squadron's what we need right now. You know, without her, it, there probably wouldn't have been female pilots at all, let alone such successful ones. So her Medal of Honor is very important. I mean, it shows the value she had during the war. Yeah, her push to form this unit and the way she trained this unit and guided this unit, the damage they inflicted on the enemy was definitely a service to the Soviet Union. How did we find out about them, like in North America? These little stories do occasionally um, trickle through. They're often included just as footnotes, but then, you know, intrepid historians will say, no, wait, you're, you're burying the headline here. What, what is this thing you mentioned? And, you know, people have, have written some books on them. Amazingly, there hasn't been a movie based on the Night Witches, and I really feel that Hollywood's missing a trick um, by not making a film of them. Though there is, uh, there are a few documentaries and a little tiny short film um, that was featured by the New York Times, I want to say, which interviewed uh, one of the Night Witches. And it's only about four minutes long, so if you have an attention span like mine, fits in just perfectly. And I mentioned that the women were more respected at the end of the war. Uh, unfortunately, they weren't able to participate in the official victory parade in Moscow because the planes were too slow. So this w one last little reminder. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The planes are really fascinating to me. I mean, they were crop dusters, as you said, that have been converted essentially to become war machines. So do we have more information on how they were set up? Like, what did they do to turn them into war machines? Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. Uh, it blows my mind to think about World War I happening where they're all canvas planes. When you're used to seeing, you know, B-12 bombers and things of like that, to imagine people fighting in, in wood and canvas planes... Really, very little modification was made to these planes. Very little could be made because their weight restrictions were, were so tight. The bombing apparatus was really about it. Otherwise, they were kind of the same as they were, you know, when they were dropping fertilizer and pesticide, except now they're dropping ordnance. And those planes, what did they do with them? Like, do we know if they lost a few? Do we know where they stored them or if they're just 
became crop dusters again after the war. Well, at that point, they were becoming seriously outdated. So I'm not sure how many of them were put back into service in agriculture. Um, you know, we do know we do know that some of the night witches were shot down, so those planes were lost. Probably some were used, and probably some were just scrapped because they were just you know, now they're thirty, forty year old planes, so of less use. Do we know what kind of training program the women had? Like they became pilots, so was it a very typical piloting program for them? Well, it was typical in what was covered, but it was atypical in the amount of time they had to do it in. Like I said, they had just a couple of months to get ready, whereas male pilots usually had years. Plus, they also had to train in all the other functions that needed to be done, such as, as you know, being a mechanic for the plane, how to be the navigator, how to act as ground crew. So they had to take in more information in a shorter amount of time. But it was, apart from that, kind of a standard pilot training. And did they live together in the compound? I mean, you mentioned them getting together afterwards. Did they have an area that was sort of for them or were they among other pilots or other military personnel? My understanding is that they had separate female barracks. So they would have trained possibly alongside the males? They would, Yeah, there would have been kind of that interaction almost like a, like a parochial school where girls and boys are separated for the dorms and uh, together in classes but the females also had that rushed curriculum, so they might not have done all of their learning completely parallel. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. So how were the females picked to become pilots? Were the females allowed to be in the war first off? No, initially no women were allowed in combat roles in Russia in World War II until the war started you know, to go really badly for them, such as after uh, Operation Barbarossa, where Germany... Uh, betrayed their promise not to invade Russia. That's where you see incidents like uh, Fighting Girlfriend, who was a tank that I'm going to find this woman's name because it absolutely deserves to be said properly. Uh, a woman named Maria Aktyabraskia lost her husband in the war, sold everything she had and bought a used tank and petitioned Stalin directly uh, I want to find her quote, because this woman also, like the Night Witches, absolutely deserves to be remembered. Uh, she petitioned Stalin directly in a letter saying, My husband was killed in action defending the motherland. I want revenge on the fascist dogs for his death and for the death of Soviet people tortured by the fascist barbarians. For this purpose, I've deposited all of my personal savings to the National Bank in order to build a tank. I kindly ask to name the tank Fighting Girlfriend and to send me to the front line as the driver of said tank. And he agreed. And Maria, uh, a lot like the Night Witches, had to learn to do everything with the tank to operate, to maintain. She would have to periodically get out during firefights to fix something that was wrong on the tank. And it was women like Maria and uh, like the Night Witches that showed the Russian military and the Russian people, that the women could fight just as hard as the men. And do we have some incredible stories that were able to be uh, put to light, let's say, of some of the battles that happened, you know, some of the things that happened maybe that women talked about? Well, the Night Witches were confined mostly to the nighttime harassment campaigns, the harassment bombings, because putting them out in the daylight when fighters could see them would not have worked. They were engaged with the enemy when the enemy uh, defended themselves, used their defensive guns. But the night witches, their planes could not go out in an offensive capability during the daytime. 
It truly does seem as though the info is sparse. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, the real question is, why didn't we hear about them? Why hasn't there been a big budget Hollywood movie? You know, we hear about the same five battles on the Eastern Front and nobody once mentioned the Night Witches in public schooling. Why don't the Night Witches even come up in feminist circles? Because I I listen to a number of feminism-oriented podcasts or, um, you know, books about the untold stories of women in history. Why don't they come up more? That is, to me, the real question. Yeah, so how would we know more about them? Are there documentation, you know, in Russia or even in Germany of accounts that they had with the Night Witches? Yeah, there are definitely historians who've gone into much greater depth than we're going into today. So there are there are books and some uh, documentary films available. So definitely, you know, contact your local bookseller. They need your love now more than ever and see if they can get you a book about the Night Witches. Do we have letters from some of the women? Do we know, you know, their family information or were they married? Did they have families? Were they single? I personally didn't have the opportunity to go that deep in uh, in my research because this was to I was writing about the Night Witches for the upcoming Your Brain on Facts book, and I had a finite amount of space. Tragically, here I am complaining about how we how we never hear about them, and then I have to cut their story short. Um, but it's definitely something worth reading up on, and I'm sure if any letters have survived, that they would be included. Yes, I feel like those would be excellent primary sources. Do we have any other female pilots during the war that we know about, whether they be the Night Witches or not? I'm not certain, but now that is a question that I badly want an answer to and something that I'm going to uh, to hop on and research. It's less likely, considering how more strict other countries were about keeping women out of combat rules. I mean, just just think about how long it took women in like the United States to get into combat roles. I mean, that wasn't until very, very recently. But I, I have to imagine or hope that there were a couple, you know, there had to have been a couple women who managed to to get into a plane in combat, just like the men. And to think about the planes, how come the women didn't get to fly the fighter planes? Why did they give them the wooden small planes, <laughs> matchbox planes? Because I'm going to assume command had no faith in the idea. That they just like, well, these women aren't going to do anything. We can't risk our good new planes on them. So just give them the crappy planes. The Night Witches really established how much could be done with very little. Because they were given, you know, less even than their male contemporaries. And they still managed to be hugely, hugely successful. What they didn't have in equipment, they supplemented with bravery. Because in my head, I cannot get past the idea of having to crawl out onto the hood of the plane and restart the engine mid-flight 800 times. That sounds really terrifying. (laughs) Yeah. And do we have stats on how many bombs they did successfully drop or, you know, how much damage they were able to do or to slow down the fighting? Well, they were definitely enough of a problem for the Germans. uh, The Germans were on guard for them, but because the way they would cut their engines before going into the bomb dive... And they, they didn't show up on radar. They couldn't be found on a radio locator. You couldn't hear them coming. They were really, really hard to defend against. And we know that they dropped two bombs per run. So each crew over the course of the war would have dropped 1,600 bombs. And so times then 100 maths. That's a lot of 1,600. 160,000 bombs were dropped by the Night Witches. 
So even if only a few of them hit the target, they did a lot of damage. Yes, absolutely. And I guess they were running from Russia towards Germany, mostly. Like that was their their trajectory. Yeah, they were targeting uh, targeting Germany um, after German Germany invaded Russia, because that was really a turning point in the war when females began to be allowed in combat. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's still a, a long enough flight for these little planes. They must have had some issues. I wonder if they, I don't know, had to land somewhere and stop and maintain their plane and then take off again. Well, they weren't expected for super long distances because the small plane just couldn't do it. But luckily, they could take off and land from smaller airfields than the modern planes needed so that they could do this kind of puddle jump to get to farther away uh, targets. It must have been quite the network to be able to run these runs, right? It it must have been a lot of planning involved. Yep. And every woman had to know, you know, what her task was for this particular run. And everyone had to execute their duties, you know, successfully. Otherwise, it would not work. Yeah, absolutely. And we definitely need to know more about them. I feel like our information is still not wide enough spread So it's great that you're able to research this for your book and give us a bit of a a taste on what we can look up on our own. Yeah, I do hope that I have uh, whetted people's appetite, that they will read more about the Night Witches and then go out and tell every single person they can. And, you know, read, read also about Fighting Girlfriend if you have a few extra minutes. Yeah, that sounds like a pretty good story, too, if uh, you love tanks. Yeah, she was the original tank girl. (laughs) Exactly. Like the comic book. And you also had a fun fact that you sent me, and I really enjoyed the fun fact, if you don't mind sharing it with us. Um, I used to be a goat farmer. I have been struck by lightning, and it was my distinct privilege to produce the only George R.R. Martin-approved Game of Thrones burlesque show, wherein we actually got to go and play for the man himself. That's very incredible. You must have been very excited to be part of that. Yeah, it was absolutely amazing. And my husband, who is uh, still a burlesque dancer, he did a routine as George R. R. Martin in front of George R. R. Martin, which he said was the single most nerve wracking experience of his life. Oh, I would imagine that would be terrifying, really. I mean, he's George R. R. Martin, right? <laughs> yeah. We are hoping that in the last book, there will be a character. My husband's stage name is Dante the Inferno. And we're hoping in the last book, there will be a character named Dante, just spelled slightly funny, that gets killed terribly. <laughs> that would be incredible, yeah. But no, Mr. Martin enjoyed the routine. that routine. He enjoyed the whole show and uh, definitely one of my personal highlights. Oh, that that is definitely the one for the books. Absolutely. Yes. And also, I like to ask if you had a time machine and you could go back, is there one thing in particular, either a person, an event, or even a series of events that you would like to go back and observe or partake in? Hmm. Now, does this time machine preclude me accidentally changing things? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> a, a well thought out time machine for sure. All of human history is pretty wide swath to uh, to choose from. I think I might like to go back to the drafting of the Constitution or the Bill of Rights to hear the conversations that were going on, to hear the, the debates that happened that resulted in the fundamental laws that we have now, and then come back here and correct people about them. Like, no, 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 I was there. That's not what they said. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I feel like a lot of people are on your side with that. 
Thank you so much for coming here and talking to us about the Night Witches. This was a really good taste of what we have to know already or what we can know already. And thank you so much for having me and giving me the opportunity to talk about it. was great moxie thank you so very much for coming on the podcast the book recommendation today would be a dance with death by Anne noggle and it's about the woman in the soviet air force and of course moxie also has her upcoming book called your brain on facts and you should check it out because there will be information about the night witches in there she also mentioned the small film that i will be linking in the show notes and that should give you a very, very brief four-minute overview on the topic, if you're interested. Don't forget, you can find me on social media, at History, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Also, it's very appreciated if you can rate this podcast. It helps people find me, and your efforts in rating the podcast are great. Thank you so much. I also, of course, want to thank my husband, Jamie, our brood of kids, our family, our friends, all the teachers I've had over the years. Without you, I would not be adventuring through history. Un grand merci.